You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. SaaS marketing tends to move faster than other areas of B2B marketing. And among SaaS marketers, those offering products to small businesses often have to move even faster. I'm Mike Pastor from Technology Advice. If you're marketing SaaS applications to small businesses, you're moving quickly, you're focusing on the customer experience, and you're keeping an eye out for churn, much like other SaaS marketers. But for some of the SMBs you're targeting, churn is actually what they want. There comes a time when small businesses outgrow your product and move on to something else. In this episode of B2B Nation, we talked to Paul Cowan, CMO at Small Business Accounting SaaS Vendor FreshBooks, about marketing SaaS apps to small businesses, the importance of brand value in the SaaS market, third-party cookie deprecation, and more. Have a listen. Paul Cowan, welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you take a minute to tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, excellent. It's uh, good to be here. So, uh, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at FreshBooks. Um, if uh, Folks aren't familiar with FreshBooks. We're a, a cloud accounting platform um, where we focus um, on small businesses and, and specifically helping owners um, manage their finances. So, you know, folks might be familiar with other other folks in the category like uh, like QuickBooks or Zero. Um, the real main difference between us and, and them is is we have a, a focus on the owner and and unlike the other ones who really built their platforms for accountants, ours is is, is really specifically made to make sure owners can kind of stick close to their finances. So I've, I've been in the role for uh, just over a year and a half now, and uh, it's been been a lot of fun so far. So let's talk about SaaS marketing. And by SaaS marketing, of course, I'm talking about software as a service. I think it was probably two or three years ago, I noticed that SaaS marketers on LinkedIn started referring to themselves as SaaS marketers, not marketers, not B2B marketers, but they were sort of carving out their own unique niche. Oh, yeah. In, in B2B marketing, we talk about a, lot, a lot about buyer's journeys and buying committees and trying to get 10, 12 people to agree on a purchase. Not all those things apply to SaaS marketers, you know, especially if you're targeting an SMB. How do yeah. you need to look at things differently in, Sa- in the SaaS market than in, say, the IT infrastructure market? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it's what one, it's like marketers love marketing themselves. I think we spend more time on the marketing of marketing as opposed to doing the marketing sometimes, but it's, uh, it's, it's just what we do. Everybody likes to be special and unique. Um, SaaS is, 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 is definitely a little bit different. I mean, at the end of it all, we're, we're just marketing someone. We're trying to understand pain points. We're trying to understand needs and then, and then be able to, to sell to those, those different needs. You know, I've, I've worked in, and I've sold cell phones. I've I've sold toys. I've I've been in SaaS before. I've I've always kind of stuck in and around technology, but you know the core of it's always around the customer. I think the unique thing about SaaS is is really just like um, it's it's a unique funnel and and it's a faster paced game. So unlike larger enterprise sales or or sorry, I you know I, I, I probably would would term it like there is SaaS in the larger enterprise space, but I, the the SaaS that we're in it, at FreshBooks is it's a real kind of quick quick pace game. You know our our price plans go, uh, you know from our rate card from from uh, 
you know, 25 to, to uh, 75 bucks or so. So it's, it, it's, it's just a faster moving pace than selling six or, or seven figure deals. So, um, you know, what, what we really are, are focused on, uh, not unlike everybody else, but we look at the customer journey. We try to understand pain points. We try to make sure that, that um, we're, we're hitting the different needs at the different points in the funnel. We just have to do it in a, in a faster pace kind of way. Um, at, at FreshBooks, we've got two different um, main motions that, that we have. We've got a self-serve funnel and, and we also feed our sales team. Um, but our, our, our deal cycles are, are short, like we're doing it all within a month as opposed to looking at, at two, three, four month kind of deal cycles. So it's, it just provides a different type of um, sales enablement game and, and doing all the different types of things that you need to do for the training and, and how you manage a sales force. But, but for the most part, it's, it's all the same. We just need to work at a bit more of a frenetic pace. So I want to talk about product experience for a second, because there can be a disconnect between the product experience and the marketing, especially if you're moving quickly, like you can come up with great updated marketing plan. But if somebody goes into the SaaS application and it's not quite as up to date or as fresh looking, no pun intended, that's the name of your product, <laughs> yeah. uh, as the marketing, uh, what are you guys doing to help make the experience consistent with your marketing? Yeah, I think I think with any any software, I mean, there's there's a couple of things that that um, kind of have to be be driving what you're doing forward. So, you know, like most organizations, we have our, our product pillars and and the things that that we really have been leaning into that that make the product different. Like as I kind of stated before, uh, we're really focused on owners, so that's like first and foremost. Like we are 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 constantly thinking about. What are how does an owner have to use this? So you know we we definitely are um, you know we talk to accountants and we want to make sure that we're helping drive their business forward and 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 the folks who are doing consulting uh, with the the folks who are using our software and and as they're getting the the outputs at the end of the day we need to make sure that all of that all of that is working for them. But at the core, what we need to make sure is we've got a product that that an owner can log into and becomes a critical piece of of kit for them that they're working on on a day in a day out basis. I think the the big kind of theme that's that's working in product right now or in in different um, SaaS companies is really about you know the being a platform. So you have platforms that are powering platforms. You have platforms that want to be the platform that rules all other platforms. Um, but but really what I'm constantly hearing back from customers is like they just want like things that are easy to use that work together with other 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 tools and um, and just kind of integrate with their workflows. So that's like the main thing that we're we're looking for and looking at from a from a products experience standpoint. It's it's super challenging. Um, you know, I think in the in the SMB space, we service like smaller, the smaller side of, of that SMB customer. So we're kind of like looking in that that one to fifty kind of company range. So so it's definitely on on the smaller side. Like we're not even kind of scratching into mid market by any stretch. Um, and they all work very differently. So we're we're trying to build software for anybody from like uh, someone who's got a who's a, a a solopreneur who's a dog walking service to someone who's a a uh, running a construction company with with twenty to thirty employees. So so trying to kind of develop across all those different use cases is is probably the hardest thing that we're doing. But in the end, it's like. We, we have to differentiate on our experiences that we create for our customers. So if we're not doing a good job there, 
and we're not doing things like um, you know making sure we have our uptime and all those kinds of things but and 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 that we're not thinking about like different ways to delight customers as they're coming in and using our product then uh then we're kind of down the water so it's uh it's it's really about making sure that we we are that kind of essential tool and that kind of brings us to something that every SaaS marketer and salesperson has to be concerned about, and that's churn. Because when you're on sort of a recurring revenue subscription, month to month, however you're pricing it, and people aren't delighted, and the experience doesn't live up to their expectations, uh, the churn rate goes up. Sure. <laughs> and you've got to go and replace those people. So what do you, what is FreshBooks do? Um, you know, as far as protecting business accounts that are in danger, um, preventing churn, what are, what are some of the things that SaaS businesses like Fresh, FreshBooks have to consider? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we're, we're actually in a very interesting spot right now because we, we started off as an invoicing platform. Um, it, we, you know, we started off because Mike uh, McDermott, who is uh, one of the founders of the company, he had like a lived pain of overwriting a, a invoice many, many years ago. And uh, and then when he went looking for other products that existed, they were all like you know, desktop products. There was no nothing, nothing existed in the SaaS space at the time. So so it's kind of interesting because like we grew from like an owner pain point and then we've added things to the product as we've we've moved along. So we've we've been always very focused at like the first the solopreneur and then kind of growing and, and expanding into different verticals and, and growing as an organization. And and so you know where that's kind of taken us today is we've we've morphed into being an accounting platform. Um, or we've grown into it. There's there's a couple big players in this accounting space. So so right now, the, one of the biggest areas for churn for us is like customers outgrow our platform, and so that's a, a that's a good thing, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for them, like we're all very happy that they've moved on, and and so we have like this kind of happy sad churn that happens where it's like customers are leaving us and 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 are saying, hey, I I, I need to go because my my company has progressed to a point where where we're too successful. I've I've hired an accounting firm. That accounting firm uses a different software kit, and they're telling me to move off. And so we're we're really thinking about how do we stop that from happening for obvious reasons, and and that's like obviously goes into some obvious areas that that we need to to work on from a product perspective, um, and 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 working with with things. And so that in the interesting piece of feedback that we get is. Once they leave, they then kind of tell us, "Hey, I, I don't feel like as I'm I'm in tune with what's happening in my business anymore because I've I've now outsourced my finances, and so they don't have an understanding of which clients are profitable, which ones are paying them on time, all of that kind of stuff, which they had when when they had uh, access to all the books and where they're managing the books on their own. So so that's like kind of the key piece that we're trying to really work towards um, to make sure that we're 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 um, preventing that churn overall as our, as the company evolves. So so first it's like okay, so let's make sure that we can manage this kind of migration out um, of our platform and we can can either integrate with other platforms or we can provide enough of the tools and services for whether it's their accountants or whether it's um, uh, the the company themselves to be able to do that. And then there's all the other stuff that we do. You know, like um, we have a a, a pretty awesome lifecycle marketing team that that is is doing like a ton of propensity modeling on 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 customers and what they're doing in their platform and how engaged they are in the platform and 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 which ones are looking like they might 
um, they might be leaving us and what do we need to do? And then, and even, you know, running plays after they, if, if they do uh, hit that button saying cancel that we are, are, are at them right away saying, try to figure out why and then, and then running win back programs against them to bring them back. And we have, we're, we're very, very successful at, at, at running that activity. It, we have to look at all of those life cycle elements to make sure that, you know, we're not losing them to other platforms because they have outgrown us, but then also just like we, we're looking for all of those signals throughout um, that customer journey. And then, then obviously doing depth plays. So, you know, you know, generally the, the, the more customer, a customer uses your platform or the deeper they are in terms of the integrations, the, the, the more uh, unlikely they are to actually churn out. So we, we obviously make sure that we're identifying those customers and they're using the product in the appropriate ways as well. Um, so that if, if there are opportunities for them to integrate more things into our platform to use more of the, the the products and services that we have within or the features within the platform that they're doing those things and that they're they're getting the most out of, out of it as well one of the the biggest challenges that or, or one of the biggest areas that's always of a concern is when someone leaves and because they say that it's for something that we don't have and we have it um, but with a lot of software, sometimes people just cannot discover those features. And so we just need to make sure that, that um, we're, we're ensuring that all those things are, are discoverable, but then also that we're, we're doing the things to help educate the customer on what they can actually do. That's one thing that has migrated as software has moved to the cloud from on-premise software and from the software we installed on CD-ROMs in our computers is yeah. people still only use a fraction of the functionality and don't really go exploring to see what else is in there. I think we're all guilty of it. But yeah, you, for sure. You've created the functionality and somebody doesn't know it's there and they don't look for it and you haven't been able to explain to them that it's there in your marketing, then the, oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's also within, like when you go back to the product experience, the experience itself has to be doing that selling within the product too. So it's like, you know, there's only so many emails like someone's going to read where we're doing, sending out the, the, the product updates and stuff. There's only, you know, we run webinars where we try to get customers uh, to them where we, we educate them on new feature releases and stuff. We, um, you know, obviously have have lots of stuff that we try to make it discoverable within the platform. But but a lot of times, like until the customer has that unique pain and really knows that that's a problem that they have, that you know we they we need to to make sure that we're surfacing those at, at at the right time. So so part of it's also like looking for those signals that are coming up and and whether we're putting them into a a segment or a flock or a group of people that look alike. Um, and making sure that they're, we're, we're doing the best that we can to educate them about all of that stuff um, uh, at the appropriate time too. So, so predicting and, and being able to, to look for those signals, whether they're firmographics or, or, or revenue data that we might be seeing or expense data that we're seeing, it's, it's taking all of that stuff together. Uh, luckily, we're, you know, we see a lot of data from our customers in terms of their invoicing and their expense data. We have a lot of their payments information, whether it's on our platform or, or through another mechanism. So, so we do get like a huge amount of, of info where we're able to, to, to know a lot about their business. That issue of customers outgrowing the product. And, and like you said, maybe they go and they turn to an outside accounting firm to help them keep track of things. There's probably technical solutions to, you know, create personas or whatever, where the accounting firm can use it and the business owner can use it. But that's a cultural thing too, because as your business grows, 
it's hard to keep track of where every dime is and where it went and having to delegate responsibility. So in some ways that's, that's a business problem, right? That's oh, like, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's also like, it's a focus issue too. Like some, when you're really good at something, if we're really good at attracting a certain type of customer in the door, we're able to, to, to manage their life cycle in a, in a, in a really solid way. And, and we just don't have the appropriate product for them to, to keep managing their business. It's like, sometimes you just have to be happy with that. We, we try to do as little as we can to get in the way of like a customer being able to leave us. Like we, we kind of take the opposite approach of what a lot of other companies do because, you know, try to cancel some other services and, and it's near impossible, whether it's like your, your monthly internet or, or your cell phone, it, it becomes um, uh, sometimes a, a, a real challenge to be able to, to, to move away where, where we try to at least think of the owner. And if they do need to switch, we try to make that a, a, a a, at least a pleasurable experience for them as we can. But yeah, it's, it's, it's also, you know, from a business standpoint, we have to say, great, now we need to, if we want to actually defend this customer and keep them, we have to do a lot. And if it's a heavy uh, infrastructure or R&D expense that we need to do, we need to work through that and make sure that, that as a company, we're, we're willing to take on that different type of of risk and upside opportunity, but then also it changes the company too, because as as we have to service a different type of customer, we we have to have a lot of different motions and, and ways that we're going to do that. So it's all different types of comms that we need to put out the door and, and different ways we need to train our staff. And then of course, there's like lots of, of new product that we have to educate everybody on. So so it, it is, it's a, it is a big, um, it is a, a biz, big business undertaking to, to continue to, to, to push a company like that. So we've talked about how easy it is to switch applications in a SaaS world that so easy to hit that cancel button. It's so easy to compare apps. There's a billion sites out there, technology advice being one of the crowd, yeah. uh, that, yeah. that aim to make it easy for people to compare and contrast the apps that are available to do whatever it is they're trying to do. How much does brand value still matter? in a world where it's that easy to research and to switch. Are brands as powerful as they were back in the, the pre-SaaS software days? Yeah, sure. It's, you know, that's a, it's a super interesting question because part of me says it's not as valuable because you can, you can really focus and target and, and be able to, to uh, drive a business forward. But then another side of me is like, hey, Brand is is pretty much, or or even just like someone's perception and your reputation, of of a, a huge importance. Like I know that value is, uh, or or like value is a huge driver of purchase for folks within the B two B space. It's it's and and it's different. It, it varies depending on the company size, but. Uh, I know that that whether it's a recommendation from a a, a colleague or a, a consultant, uh, all those things are incredibly important, and you have to achieve a certain size and scale to be able to 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 generate that kind of activity. I think also there's like an interesting component if you look at like a lot of the top companies and a lot of the top SaaS companies over the past like ten years, all of the ones that have grown have had some sort of virality component to them. So whether it's the consumer space or 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 otherwise or or the the B two B space, like the companies that grow and are successful have had like this huge customer advocacy component. They've had something that grows them beyond pure performance marketing. And, and you need to have that to be able to achieve that kind of 
scale that you need to do within within um, within the software space and, and drive the margins that you need to drive. So, you know, we're always looking for for what that is, and and all companies and all categories are different. I look at our our competitive set. And they, uh, they've done a re really great job at recruiting accountants and accountants, like they sell into an accountant, that accountant loads 10 clients onto the platform, or they're a, a shop that uses that piece of software. We don't, don't have that playbook today, uh, but could be something that we, we, we do tomorrow. Um, but all companies need to kind of look at what are those things that drive that explosive um, kind of growth, because uh, uh, that's where your brand value is really driven forward. And that's where where um, uh, reputation and and all of those things are are incredibly important to to a company and a company's growth. People can say that brand doesn't matter in a in a SaaS world, but software is so integral into everything that everyone yeah. does. And then you look at brands like Salesforce, yeah, HubSpot, like every every category within the SaaS software market seems to have a dominant brand. Yeah, so absolutely. Say you want the brand doesn't matter. And then when you, you think about a company like Salesforce, you, you mentioned before, like platforms, like people building platforms and yep. then the concern about churn, you can build so many apps on the Salesforce platform. And then it's not the, the churn maybe isn't much of as much of a concern because now it's a big deal to move because yeah. all your apps are running through Salesforce. Right. And it's not like, Oh, I'm gonna take out Salesforce. I'm gonna replace it with any other CRM out there. It's it's super interesting because you could um, you know you could have lots of different strategies. You could be you know the platform of platforms like Salesforce, where everybody integrates into. You could be something that plugs into many platforms, uh, like say you know which you know Salesforce ends up buying half of them. But whether it's like an attribution tool like Visible, who I think got bought, but they all kind of work together, and and one of them will take them out. But it's, or, or you can be kind of like the silent platform that then just kind of like drives activity into all of these other, other platforms too. So whether it's like, you know, it could be like processing payment providers and, and those types of, of folks who are kind of like within all of these different uh, uh, platforms and stuff, but they're just powering a whole bunch of different things. And, and just like, you know, I think it's like, you have to kind of think of like brand value and all of those different types of, of, of scenarios. So, you know, of course, and at that highest level, like when you, if you want to be the sales force, then it's going to be much more important. But if you want to be kind of some of these middle players, it, it may be less important, but um, where innovation and, um, and, and something like uh, market disruption is more important as opposed to like being something that's like big and trustworthy and, dependable and you know that you have your back so you know as i've configured my martech stacks um you know there's more risky platforms that we have but then there's the standard platforms that we have so it's like you know everything powering our like our esp or the everything powering our, our customer data platform or stuff that we're you know that's powering our sales activity like we're, those ones are going to be like the stables or the staples yeah. that, that we're going to go with where, where there might be other folks who we look at as being like real kind of market disruptors. Like if it's in the attribution space or, or um, predictive modeling space or something like that. Well, we did, we did an episode recently on product positioning and the, April Dunford was our guest and she yeah. reminded me of something that I've forgotten about that Salesforce is big and powerful as they are now originally started out as CRM for small business because they're the fact that they were SaaS. Yeah. Meant you didn't need to have a lot of IT resources to manage it. 
Yeah. And then look what you would, like you were saying, you can, you can go after this, you can go after that. They started real small. Oh yeah. Real big. <laughs> yep. Well, that's where it's like, I think, I think it's, you can, the, the growth potential is there. I think it's all just now like how you, how you understand growth and, and how you want to focus it. So it's, uh, but not being, being too misguided on, on the category that you're setting your sights on. If cool. we were having this conversation a year from now, what do you think we might be talking about? What is the potential disruptor you may have your eye on? And at this point, spring of 2021, I feel like the next disruptor might be the lack of disruption. <laughs> well, I, I think the great disruptor um, for over the next year is going to be um, the what we do with the deprecation of the third party cookie. Um, mm -hmm. there, you know, whether, whether you're, you know, using, doing ABM, you know, through platforms like Engageo and using Triblio and Terminus and integrate, like a lot of these platforms, um, use, use third-party data and third-party cookies to be able to, to, uh, uh, target customers. Uh, we use a lot of third-party data or third-party cookies today to, to be able to do some retargeting and some other stuff. So, you know, this, this is going to be one of the biggest changes to um, marketers uh, in terms of what we do. You toss into that the, with just what's happening in terms of uh, mobile tracking and, and the fact like you, uh, with, with Apple and the entire Apple ecosystem is going to be very closed off. So, so the optimizations that we've been used to doing uh, through, through other platforms are just not going to exist anymore. So the, the thing that I'm like um, really focused on right now is, is building up um, our primary customer database. So, you know, with the, we get, um, you know, millions of, of, of prospects hitting our, our, our website on a monthly basis. And, and we want to capture more data on those people and, and not let them uh, just walk away without giving us some sort of information on them. So uh, the, the company hadn't really been focused on that because we drove people into a trial or into a form fill um, and, and just shoved them into the appropriate sales channel, um, whether it was a self-server or whether it was through, through a direct sales team. Um, now we're trying to make sure we're capturing as much as we can on that top of funnel because we can't be reliant on, on retargeting and, and all these other types of things that, that we used to in the past. So, you know, we're working heavily with folks like Google and, 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 um, and other groups to just to make sure that we're doing things the right way or understanding how the market is going to change. But a lot of companies just simply don't have the resources to look at it um, and, uh, or, or really kind of see what's happening. So, so I think what, what we need to do is make sure that, you know, our vendors are on top of it and all the people that we're partnered with. Uh, as well as 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 being a little bit more eyes wide open in terms of understanding how people are doing their targeting um, in terms of buying into different types of platforms. So, so I think it's going to be like a lot of onus is going to be should be back on the marketers and a little bit needs to be around buyer beware and ask a lot of questions in terms of how people are 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 getting the data or getting at at the the modeling they're doing on on uh, customers. Um, and unfortunately, I think it's also going to make the folks like Google, uh, well, Google, especially stronger. Um, it'll, it, it, it'll hurt Facebook's broader ecosystem, uh, but it'll make their walled garden environment better. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting time over the next little bit uh, in that space. You had mentioned flock briefly when you were talking about segmenting uh, visitors. I, I think yeah. you're the first B2B nation guest to actually mention flock. Okay. Yeah. That's that's like the um, 
that's the specific uh, Google terminology in terms of what how they what they call segments now. So yep. it's a it's a fun thing to uh, uh, it's a fun thing to watch how how their their terminology is changing. Yes, and it's basically, and as I understand it, an anonymous group of people who have done something in their online behavior that lumps them all together. Yeah, it's it, you know in the old old world we used to just call it a segment. <laughs> right. So it's but but hey, gotta call it something new. But the everything everything has some sort of bird type of um uh of of terminology, I believe now too. So that's I think that's why it's all coming together like that. Yeah, and, and segments are old. Nobody wants to buy segments. I know it's a terrible, yeah, terrible term. Ago, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we talk a lot about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> But it's funny because like one to one was the dream, right? Like it, 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 it having having one to one marketing was was where we all were trying to go, and um, you know we never never really got there. I think um, we, I'd, I'd done a lot of stuff when I was at Shutterstock. We we were running some really great ABM plays um, with our with our top accounts, really targeted. Uh, you know, to the to the to the tune where I was getting um, notes passed to me from CMOS of of companies like. Nestle and L'Oreal and and um, uh, Reckitt Benkiser and and um, they're saying, hey, uh, how are we getting targeted with this type of advertising? And and why are you using our our, our brand logos? Because we we were creating content, we were doing a whole bunch of stuff, super super targeted at 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 these companies. And and so then we went into these what, what are fairly you know they're large organizations that do a lot more kind of like broad based. Um, uh, broad-based advertising and, and we were kind of educating them on, on what the targeting capabilities existed within the space. So we were, we were treating some of the campaigns that we were doing with an open a door, maybe not the right kind of sentiment, but we were saying, hey, we'll come in and, 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 and talk to you about how we do this. And then we'd kind of pass it over to the sales team to then go and, 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 and try to kind of work them into an opportunity after that. But it was, uh, it was, it was super interesting. It's true. Uh, you, we went from wanting one-to-one to getting flocks, yeah, um, we will get flocks. But I, I think it says something about the experience that marketers want compared to the experience that customers wanted. Yeah, yeah. I don't think customers care. It's like I think, <laughs> you know, I think marketers are are generally like lazy. Like we we like to do the the least amount of work for the most amount of return. Like doing one to one, it's inherently hard work. It's like you have to build when you're building something for a, a small group of people, there better be a lot of money at the other side of it. Um, we're used to just kind of making segments and doing stuff. And, and you know, we, we liked it when algorithmically things just worked where they got really, really targeted really, really quickly. So I think I think for us, it's like we, we've always thought in segments anyway. So it's for us to be able to do these things. It's, it's kind of naturally how we work anyway. I think the, the challenge is now just like, what are the tools that are actually going to work? And, and what are the tools that we're going to be able to use in, in a year from now, in two years from now? Like, it'll all be replaced. Marketers, if there's one thing that advertisers and marketers are, are, are really good at is finding how to target people and, and working through systems to be able to, to figure out the next thing that we should be, be investing in to do it. So there will be something to replace it, but I think it's just, just uh, the onus should be back more on marketers as opposed to relying on the, the service providers to be doing all the hard work for them and all the, the hard targeting for them. I think we need to do a little bit more work in terms of uh, of building our own prospect databases, our own first party data and and storing it, keeping keeping it, mining it, segmenting it and, uh, and, and figuring out what we want to do with it over the long term. Paul Cowan, CMO of FreshBooks. Thanks for joining us on B2B Nation.
Thank you, Michael. Thanks again to Paul Cowan, CMO of FreshBooks, for joining us on this episode of B2B Nation. Don't miss an episode of B2B Nation. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Thank you to Technology Advice colleagues Amy Dunn, Sarah Wingate, and Emily Whalen for their support and assistance. Here's Mnemonics in the Guild to wrap things up. We'll catch you next time on B2B Nation.